If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms, I want to go to chapter 66. Stand with me all over the building for the reading of the Word this morning. Stand with me all over the building, children, stand up. Stand up. Chapter 66, we're going to go to verse 18. The Bible says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Father, for the next few moments here this morning, I ask you to just use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give each of us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word today. Give us the spiritual eyes, Lord, as we see the path that you lay it out before us and the godly wisdom to walk in that path. And, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. One of the most dangerous things in this life is the regard for iniquity and the harboring of it in our hearts. So many people lead this go unnoticed. And the Lord laid this strongly upon my heart. There's a reason. There is a reason why God does not hear our prayer sometimes. And it is never his fault. David, who was the man after God's own heart, David, who was the apple of his eye, declared that if he regarded iniquity in his heart that the Lord would not hear him. So I want to talk in some depth today about the hindrance. The Bible and the title of this message is, Why Does God Not Hear Me? Why Does God Not Hear Me? Brother Edward, would you grab Mark chapter 4, 24 from me, please, sir? We're going to look at some of the reasons why God does not hear our prayer sometimes. Go ahead, brother, when you get it. Amen. Do you hear that? Read that again slowly. Listen carefully this morning, church. Unto them. Take heed. Listen. Take heed what ye hear. In other words, you need to... You need to heed the words that you hear. You need to act upon those words that you hear. You need to take heed to those things that you hear. Not just hear them. Not being a hearer of the word, but be a doer, you see. Take heed. Do something about it, what you hear. Listen carefully to what you hear. Let what you hear move you to action. Take heed what you hear. Come on. With what measure ye meet. Come on. 
it shall be measured to you. See, how you respond and how you hear God is how He's going to hear you and how He's going to respond to you. Go ahead. See, His Word is a living Word. You can preach a hundred messages in a hundred different ways from that one Scripture. But today, we're talking about it, how it applies to our relationship with Jesus. You know, that Scripture applies to so many things. But as we call on God all the time, don't we? And we just expect God to be right there and answer right then, don't we? Because we get little bits and pieces out of the Bible that tell us He'll never forsake us, never leave us, never forsake us, and that, uh, you know, that uh, asking you shall receive and all those things. We... We hold dear to those scriptures because they're part of our doctrine. But you've got to rightly divide the word as well, church. You can't just pull bits and pieces out and hold on to those and leave the others undone. There are stipulations to these scriptures. They're not just they're not just uh, 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 to take at whatever uh, whatever angle you want to come from it, uh, Adam. It's like this. He said, you first. He said, give. And it shall be given. So how does that apply here? Brother Edward, how does that apply right here? And? You give your attention to me. You give me your attention. And I'll give you my attention. All goes back to the what? Law of the harvest. It all goes back to the law of the harvest. You give me what I want, I'm going to give you what you want. You give me what I need from you, and I'm going to give you what you need from me. But it's just not so in most, most of this life with most people. They don't want to give God what He wants. But they still want from God what they want. There's no doubt that each of us in this building have fallen prey to that same mentality and even do to this day fall prey to that mentality. We always expect God to be right there and answer our prayer whenever we call, whenever we snap those fingers, we expect Him to jump to and move. But how many times has God called us and told us what we need to do for Him? How many times has God called our name and called us to step forward front and center and do thus and thus, and we ignored it as if we never heard it? How many times has God told us, stop doing that, quit doing that, Put that down. Don't say that. Leave that alone. Quit doing that. Don't do that. And we just ignore it as though we never heard Him. I can raise my hands. 
Because I can promise you I've done it so many times and I still do it today. So why is it that we expect that same God in which we ignore to be right there at our beck and call every time we call His name? Is it because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, they that call on my name shall be saved? Is it, is it, is it because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, they shall call my name and I shall say, here am I? But you see, you didn't read the part before that where it went through all the things that you do for God to please Him and all the things you do to God to, to satisfy His, His requirements. And then He said, if you do all these things, then you shall call my name and I shall say, here am I. They shall be my people and I shall be their God. Sister Sandra, Psalms 18.41. We're going to get a bunch of scriptures right now. Brother Yunt, would you get me Psalms 34 and 15? whole bunch of scriptures. Here we go. Sister Erica, Proverbs 1.28. Sister Tara, Proverbs 15.29. Sister Maribel, Proverbs 28 and 9. I have no idea which one you were. Proverbs, first one was Proverbs 128. Okay. John, okay, let's, uh, Brother Gabriel, you got, you got a Bible with you this morning? You, you want to do it? Will you do a scripture for me? Or you want to wait? Okay. All right, Sister, uh, Sister Rosie, would you give me John chapter 9, please, and verse 31? Okay, that's enough for right now, and then let's let's go ahead and go from there. Okay, pro, uh, 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 first one was Psalms 18:41. Sister Sandra, come on. They cried, but there was none to save them. Come on. Even unto the Lord, but He answered them not. Amen. Because they were living in iniquity. Okay, come on. Psalms 34:15. Come on. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears. And, and his ears are open unto their cry. Is that is that the end of it? Okay, thank you, brother. See that? Unto the what? The righteous. Those that do everything that he declares is right. That's the righteous. Amen. So his his eyes are, are upon them and his ears are open unto them. Okay. Uh, now, let's go with Proverbs 128. Come on, Sister Erica. This is people that are living in iniquity. People that are living in iniquity. Come on with us again. You have to understand, church, when you're... When you live for God, you can call His name and He will be there. But even even 
true Christian soldiers today. If we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to slip and we can allow ourselves to to get out of that path, either to the right or to the left. What is to the right or to the left? Has anybody ever thought about that? What is? And, and I have taught and preached about that in this church many times, but but no, people don't even consider what, where the Bible says, stray not to the right nor to the left. But But straying to the right is going further than God requires, and to the left is going uh, uh, away from the things that God requires. So you can... Go, God put the line exactly where it needed to be. Because if it were too far right, it's unattainable by, uh, uh, by these, uh, uh, these, uh, uh fleshly standards or carnal stand, or, or carnal, or carnality. Carnal, carnality could not even, could not even attain to it. We strive for, uh, for holiness and purity. But He did not put it out of our reach. So we don't stray to the right. We don't add to His Word. That's straying to the right. And we don't take away from His Word, which is straying to the left. We don't add to it to make it unreachable, and we don't take away from it to make it worthless. You see? So, read that one more time, sister. See, he said, when you live in iniquity and you're living in sin, he said, then you'll call on him. But he said, hey, I'm not going to hear. I'm not going to hear your prayer. Come on. And they shall seek me early. You know, when they seek me early, you know what happens when they start seeking early? When, when somebody gets blowed up, they start seeking early. How many times have you been in that situation yourself in your life? Where you might have been kind of putting God on the back burner, but then when something, a crisis came about, man, you were, well, I mean, jump up, run to the Lord. I mean, run to Him, try to, and man, you know, and, and he said, hey, he said, they will seek me early. Come on. But they shall not find me. And you know, it's in those situations right there where you're going to have to search and seek for Him. And He's going to withdraw His hand. That's to the ones that truly love Him and, are, and, and, and have fallen. But to ones that live in iniquity, they're not going to ever find Him. Unless they search for Him with all of their heart. What is that searching for Him with all their heart? That's, if you, that's when you take all of this right here and you put it upon Him and nothing else. You put this, you put all of this upon Him. That's what God requires. We cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot serve the Lord and ourselves. We have to come to that place, church, where we lay aside every weight and every sin and we follow Him with our whole heart. He said, you shall search for me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon being the things of this world or flesh of any type. Who's got this next scripture? 1529, please. Or, no, you already had that, right? Okay, let me have 28 and 9, please. Now listen, as I said, when you don't live for God... 
and you're not giving your all to Him, then His Word says He will not hear our prayers because that's harboring iniquity. We're harboring iniquity in our heart. Come on. Who's got the next one? Oh, uh, Okay, okay, 15, 20. Okay, okay, got you, 34, 15, come on. Listen, hold on, hold on, listen to this. The Lord is far from the wicked. Did you know that can be us even as much as we try to live for God? Folks, wickedness is wickedness. We had this... We have this mental picture in our minds of what wicked is. But man seeth not as God seeth. We think wicked, we think we think Charles Manson. We think Jeffrey Dahmer. We think people like that. But God thinks the one telling the little white lies. The one that was supposed to go right and went left. The one that should have done something and didn't do it or, or should not have done something and did do it. The one that was prideful. The one that was not humble. The one that did less than his best for God. That and everything beneath it is what God considers wickedness. And those that do that, he considers wicked. And so what did the Bible say about the wicked? You keep that Bible handy, sister. You're going to use it a lot today. The Lord is far from the wicked. Come on. But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Those, that's those that are doing everything according to what God declares is right. That is the righteous. Amen. Okay. Now, who's got the next scripture? Uh, 28 9. Proverbs 28 9. Abomination. Come on, read that again. Listen to this. Listen to this now. Boy, I'm going to tell you, this is something the Lord's laid on my heart because, and, and, and you know what? The more I thought about it, the more I begin to realize this is something we really need to take to heart, this message today, because we always look at this sort of thing for the world out there. We don't look at this sort of thing as, as being to the church. This is not for the world. This word's not for the world. This word words for the church. It can't be for the world. This cannot be for the world. Why can that not be for the world? Listen to what the word said right there. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. Isn't that what it says? Okay, so... If somebody's turning away their ear from hearing the law, that means they're in the congregation because the congregation was the only one that was read the law. 
I'm not out on a street corner out here preaching the word at some strip club or some bar or over some hangout. I'm not down at the, the beer joint preaching the word of God. Amen. He said, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. So that's ones that heard it and don't want nothing to do with it. That's what he's, that's what this is talking to. He said, even his prayer will be an abomination because that to God is worse than never having heard it. So we have to be careful as we, as we live this life and walk this walk. We have to be careful to take heed, which is what the word said earlier, to take heed, to not, to, to, to take heed to what we hear, to take heed to what we learn. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Is that all of it, sis? Okay. Thank you. Who, who's got that next scripture? Uh, yes, ma'am. No, wait, we had some more before that. No, okay, John, yes, it. Go ahead. We know that what 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 wait 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 that's John nine thirty one. Listen carefully to this. Now now this notion that God just answers everyone's prayers and He hears everybody's prayers. How many times have you heard that God hears everybody's prayers? We've been taught and programmed to think that all our lives because that's what the world wants to think. Listen to what the Word of God says. This is John. This was the friend of God right here. This is the this is the one whom Jesus loved. Come on. Let's read that again. Now we what? We what? We know. Come on. That God heareth not sinners. Come on. And doeth His will. Not just the worshiper. There's a lot of worshipers. But that doeth His will. Come on. Him he heareth. Not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. A doer. Amen. Okay. Brother Edward, Jeremiah chapter 11, 10 through 14. Go ahead. Okay, hold on. Listen, now, now. Let me back up that just last part you read right there. Listen, listen to what it's talking about right here. And how this applies to this modern day time we live in. Come on. According to the number of thy cities, come on. Were thy gods. You know what? We got the Houston Astros, the the uh, the the Houston Texans. We got all those things that you know what we've made gods out of them. You know what? We've made God. We've made gods out of them. Did you know? That the parking lots in them games is full of altars of sacrifice. They got barbecue pits everywhere, man. They're burning their barbecue out there, and they're doing a big pop of them tops on them beer, and they're worshiping. They're worshiping their gods. Do you know what? You know what God said right there? Go ahead and read on. Go ahead and read on to the end up there. To that shameful thing. See what I mean? To that shameful thing they made of God. Come on. Mm-hmm. Therefore, 
He, now listen to what he's saying right there. Listen to what he's saying right there to his people. He said, pray not for this people. Don't even pray for this people. Come on. Neither lift up a cry or prayer from them because they did it willingly. Come on. And worshiping other gods. Come on. I will not hear them. Come on. Time they cry on me for that. Is that it? Thank you. So the Lord said, He said, Man, won't you go pray to your gods that you set up for you? When your trouble comes, call the Houston Texans. Hey, here's an idea. Call the Dallas Cowboys. Surely, surely the owner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of you. I mean, surely, surely them football players that you spent all your money on, when you could have been in the house of God and, and paying tithes and could have been in the house of God giving offerings unto the Lord and His work, you could have been in the house of God paying respect and paying, uh, paying uh, uh, homage to the one that deserves it. Uh, you could have been giving praise unto the God which brought you, but instead you give it to the Dallas Cowboys or, the, or, or some of these other teams or you gave it to a, a, a fishing tournament or you gave it to a bowling tournament or, or whatever it is you like to do. You gave it to your hunting club or whatever. Uh, listen, now that you're blowed up and in trouble, won't you go on out and call on them and see if, see if all them will help you out? Surely those gods you set up so well, surely those gods you gave your all to, and I'm going to tell you something, when you see somebody go all in on this football nonsense, buddy, I mean, they're in it, partner. Man, they spend thousands of dollars, man, and they got to, you know what? Let me tell you something. You get, people in church nowadays, they wait to three minutes before it's time to go to church to get up out of bed. And then... And then, dear God, I keep finding where. Oh my God, oh my God. Oh, I can't, oh Lord, I can't, I don't know what I'm gonna, and you know what? They, they, they wait till five minutes for time to go to church to find their clothes. People that's ready to go do the football thing are ready to go, we're going, uh, and, I, and I'm gonna hit home with a lot of people because I'm gonna tell you, I love to fish. And I love to hunt. I see some smiles going on in all this. <laughs> Guilty. Uh-huh. I know. Me too, brother. But let me tell you what. Here's the deal. You don't wait till three minutes before you go on a fishing trip to put your gear out. Man, you get all your fishing gear the night before. Boy, you make sure you ain't gonna forget that, that magic worm, you know. Oh man, I can't forget my good lure. I gotta have that pole. Man, let me see. Well, I gotta make sure I got just enough corks and enough, enough, uh, lures. I gotta make sure I got new line on there so I gotta restring all my rods. You out there three or four hours the night before getting all your stuff ready. Just so you, just so you don't miss nothing, you put it all in one spot, you're ready to go. Man, you set the alarm. Why? Cause just in case you might not get up. Dear God, I gotta make sure, man, I don't wanna miss that early fish, cause the early fish is the big one that'll get away if you ain't there early enough. Man, I gotta, we're gonna have to leave by four o'clock in the morning. We're gonna have to, or three o'clock in the morning, we're gonna have to stop at some closed Kroger's and try to rob them and get some bait. Amen, for some, for, we're gonna send, matter of fact, we're gonna send the youngest one in, cause he won't get near as much prison time. Amen, for stealing something in the middle of the night from Kroger. Dear God, so we're gonna send him in. And surely they'll give him some bait because, uh, you know, they'll feel sorry for him being so young and all. Teaching that little boy how to be a criminal. <laughs> but now when it comes to church, 
Have you got everything ready for church? What? What's there to get ready? I mean, dear God, it's just going to church. I mean, you just throw up whatever you can find on, dear God. I mean, won't what I wore the last five weeks in a row be okay? Well, dear God, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not stinking. I'll just go like I am, you know. Did you want to set the alarm? I oh, am. Yeah, man, I surely I'll get up in time. Boy, it's hitting home, ain't it? You know it's hitting home. And all three of them don't work, probably. Praise God. You know why you got them three alarms? Because you got a mean pastor. I know, but you know what? Now, you see what I'm, but you see what? Now, now you're starting to see. You just came back. So you're a prime example. Your little trip was a prime example of how far you've come and how far you used to be. Because those that were with you are not under me. Those that were driving you, what what did you say they were? Running late. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's the word you used. Yes. Praise God. You're not late. You're not ever late. And the reason you're not ever late is because you had to change the way that you used to be. Amen. So there's there's a thing about taking precautions. And, and people just don't give that much time to God because they don't take it as serious as they do other things. Why? Why do we not take God as serious as fishing or as hunting or as a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game? We don't, we, 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 we man, we jump through hoops to make certain we don't make a mistake concerning the world and things we do. But yet God, the Almighty God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, He's real. He is real. He's not make-believe. And He's watching. He's here right now. And He's watching every move that we make. And because of this message that He's given me today, I can tell you the truth. He wants us to spend more attention on this particular issue in our lives. Because, obviously, we're lacking in this area. His church has lost their zeal in this area. And it's caused us... Now, let me tell you what happens with this. And we're going to look closer at a lot of stuff here in just a minute. But I want to tell you what happens with this. You know what happens is it's, it's, it's kind of like a cancer... It's just a merry-go-round that you can never get off of. What happens is complacency begats more complacency. So here's what happens. Now we pray and we don't even expect anything to happen. You know why that is? Because we pray and nothing does happen. It's a Pentecostal church. You can say amen. A lot of times we just expect. Except that it, the answer is no. And maybe it is. Maybe we just take the answer is no because we didn't get what we thought we should get. But maybe it's because you asked not. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Maybe it's because you asked amiss. Oh, no, I didn't ask to heap it upon my lust. There's more to asking amiss than just asking for the wrong reason. There's more to asking amiss than asking for the wrong reason. 
you can ask amiss if you've not put yourself in proper position to receive anything from God. Because asking amiss is no different than sometimes it can still apply to that same Scripture. If you're asking God for something, but you're ignoring Him on some other things that He's been asking you for. That's harboring iniquity, and He will not hear that prayer, and how can He answer a prayer that He never heard? So when we pray, and we do, and then we don't get a response, or we don't get an answer, and we just say, well, He just said no. Maybe He never heard the prayer to begin with. Maybe God's trying to tell you this morning, more of your prayers would get answered if more of my will was performed. More of your prayers would get answered if they reached me. His arm is not shortened that it cannot reach. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. But he does have a set of standards that must be followed, and there is a protocol that must be followed. If you want to get to a certain place on a computer, you've got to type in the right address and type it in the right way. What happens is we ask, nothing happens. We ask another thing, nothing happens. We ask and another, nothing happens. So we have to justify all that. You know how we do that? We justify that. Well, we just say, well, the answer is no. Or, well... He's just not going to give me that or he's not going to do it. It's not his will. And we get accustomed to asking and not receiving. Then we have to go and justify the things and say, Well, God, you said asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking shall be opened unto you. God, well, you know, well, your word's a lie. Your word's not, your, your word's not true. Your word's a lie. Because it's not doing what it says it's going to do. Let me tell you something, folks. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man he should repent. The Bible says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you're sowing in righteousness to God, you are going to be able to reap from God the things that you desire from Him. That's when He said, You shall call on me and I shall say, Here am I. Here I am. Je- uh, Jeremiah 14 and 10 says this, Thus saith the Lord unto His people, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. What does it mean to refrain their feet? That means to... Stop yourself from from doing the things that you don't need to do. He said, because of that, he said, Therefore, the Lord doth not accept them. He will not remember their iniquity, or he will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and an oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Zechariah 7.13, Brother uh, brother Hoy, Zechariah 7.13. And I'm going to get Psalms 34, 18 to 19. 
Psalms 34, 18 and 19 says this. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I want to read that again. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Amen. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they, they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Okay, come on. Who's got? Let me have that Zechariah seven thirteen, brother. Read that one more time. See how you reap what you sow. See that? Okay. Now, thank you, brother. I want to look at James four eight through ten. I'm going to read it quickly for time's sake. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. You see that? The closer you draw to Him, the closer He will draw to you. What is that? It's the law of the harvest. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. You see? So you draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. The Bible says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Who's doing that? We are. He didn't say, hey, go, go get your hands clean. Jesus is going to clean your hands. He said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Who's doing that? Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See here? See here how that this is the heart? Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What's it saying? It's saying you need to purify your mind because right now you're double-minded. When you purify your heart, he's talking about purifying your mind. If you're double-minded, it cannot be a pure mind. There's a mixture there of things in your mind. So pure means Whole, one, complete. If you're purified, if you have a purified mind toward God, your whole mind is on God only. If you purify the gas in your tank, you purify your tank with gasoline, everything in that tank is gasoline. If you put water in it, it ain't no longer pure. It's double occupied. It's occupied with water and gas. To purify it means either get one or the other out. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us about this walk we're in. Either get right or get left. Okay, so he says, Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Why? Because 
He's talking about people here that were a haughty in heart, haughty spirit, and they were taking this thing too lightly. They weren't taking this as seriously as God intended this walk to be. And that is absolutely the world we live in today. And he said, you need to, you need to purify your double mind. You need to either put it on God or put it on the, put it on the world one way or another. You can't serve both. Purify your mind. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleanse your hands. He said, be afflicted and mourn and weep because you will be that way if you think about the God we serve and the life we live in proper context. It will humble you. Let your laughter, all this joy and laughter that we walk through in this nonchalant uh, walk we have with God sometimes, he said, let it be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. The closest I've ever been to God in my life was with a heavy heart. And it's not just when things happen that cause you to, to, to be mournful. But I'm going to tell you, the closest I've ever been to God in my life was when I came face to face with what a wretch I am. When I really came face to face with the man in the mirror. And I looked at the man in the mirror in contrast to my holy God. And I began to see the things that I was lacking. And I began to see where I was and where he was. And where I was versus where I needed to be. And it just wrenched me. And it hurt me. And I began to realize how much that I hurt God when I refused to follow His will. How much that I was against Him and the things that I did in my life and the things that I was doing. What carefulness it wrought in me. And it caused me to seek Him deeply. And it caused me to walk in humility before Him. And it caused me to humble myself before Him. And you know what happened next? He began to lift me back up. Because when He saw me in true, proper perspective for Him, when He saw me, humbled before Him and poured out before Him. He can work with that. But He can't work with you when you got your head in the clouds. He can work with those that are of a humble and a contrite spirit. And when you think of who you truly are and how good He's been to you, it'll make you contrite. It will humble you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift thee up. Verse 10. Now, Matthew 15. Sister Yunt, would you get this for me, please, ma'am? Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9. Then we're going to turn the corner. 
Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, please. Okay, hold on right there for just a second. Does that sound like the world we live in today? Where people honor God with their lips and they, they talk about how much they love Him. And, and they talk about how good He is when He's brought up. You know, when somebody mentions the Lord or something, oh, well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I love God. Oh, He's good. And God is so good to me. And God this, God that. But you know what? What does it mean right there when he says their heart is far from me? You know, what, what's he talking about right there with the heart, Sister Sister Yunt? What is the heart? That's right. So he said, you know what? But that's the thing. They talk about me. They, they talk about me like they love me. But he said, he said right there, he said, their mind is never on me. Their mind's always on what they're doing and what they're going to do next. And it's on their life. It's on, it's on what they do. It's on the things that they want to do. It's never on me. Their heart is far from me. In other words, their mind, their mind is far from me. It's like, it's like being married to your spouse, but then you leave the house and everything you do has nothing to do with them. Everything you do. You don't, you don't even give it a second thought. You never think about them. How many times throughout the day do you think about your husband or your wife? Always. I'm always. If I'm gone, if I'm not in an appointment or not doing an estimate or on a job and doing something, I'm on the phone with my wife. There's a lot of people think, well, man, I tell you what, man, that's kind of apron string type stuff. Isn't it? So how, okay, you call it what you want to, man. I love my wife. I can't help it. You're married to a, a you know, a heifer. I don't know what it is you're married to, but I love the woman I'm married to. And I love to be with her. I love to talk to her. I praise God. I love to be around her. I love to, I mean, we're always together, you know. And, uh, and I, and it's a sad thing that it's, it may not be that way with some other folks. There's a lot of guys I, uh, that I used to know. I don't know anymore because I don't know many people out of the church anymore, but, but, uh, there's a lot of people I knew through life just couldn't wait, man, to get away from their wife. Dear God, man, oh, Lord God, come on, work, come on, work, you know. And then at the end of the day, they're like, oh, my God, man, what's the matter? Oh, can I work late, man? Oh, go home, best woman, you know. I'm like, well, dear God, man, would you marry? I don't know what it is, man, you know. Thinking to myself, why in the world you, you why, why would you do that, you know? But the Lord said, you know, they... They serve me with their lips, but, but their heart is far from me. Come on, sis. In, in vain, they do worship me. And all these people that are around the world today and in this country and even in this area, in this, in this city, in this area, surrounding cities, he said, in vain, in vain they do worship me. Because their, their mind's not on him. You know, what, you know what it's saying right there? You see that book in your hand? There he is. There's Jesus. There he is right there. He's in that book right there you got in your hand. Their mind ain't on that. Oh, no, their mind's in what they think, what their impression of God is, what they've been taught to think. You know, the microwave God, the push a button and you can get what you want, God. That's who their mind's on. But it ain't on the real Jesus. He said their mind is far from me. They're far from him. They don't want nothing to do with this walk. They don't want nothing to do with the real Jesus. They want that push-button microwave God where you can just snap your finger and get what you want. He's the ATM, you know, the Jesus ATM. You just go get what you need and then you put him back up to you next time you need him. But listen to what it says. They, in vain, 
in vain they do worship me. And they are thinking they're worshiping him, but it's in vain because he doesn't hold with that. Come on, sis, in vain they do worship me. Go ahead. See? And they teach it for doctrine. See how that that crept into the church you were in for a long time. And it's crept into a lot of our churches, hadn't it, sis? And they teach their own doctrine. They put a little piece of themselves in it. And, and they got a little watering down here and a, a little removing over there. And, and maybe bring a little bedding over here that sounds a little more appealing. And They're teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. How can you replace the commandments of God with something we wrote? popular it's popular and there's big money in that <laughs> that it sis okay thank you amen all right so let's let's take a look at this 6618 if i regard iniquity in my heart if having seen it to be there I continue to gaze upon it without aversion. If I cherish it, this iniquity, have a slight glance of love towards it. Or if I excuse it and palatate it, then the Lord will not hear me. You see? The very supposition that if he regarded iniquity in his heart, the very supposing of it that if he regarded iniquity in his heart, the Lord would not hear him, this implies the possibility that we as believers may be trapped in this same situation. And our supplications and prayers so often may be hindered. This is our base text where I'm, I'm going to be talking about Psalm 66, 18 uh, for the next several minutes. 66, 18, which was our base text, text from David. If I regard iniquity in my heart. So as I said, if having seen that iniquity there, I continue to gaze upon it without any problem. If I cherish it, or if I have a slight glance of love towards it, or if I excuse it or palatate it, then the Lord will not hear me. Now, sometimes the world in one way or another may for the time be sorry for their sins in their heart. And there may have been so much formality in their confession, so much indifference in the supplication they made toward God, that when that exercise, and I do mean exercise, because let me tell you something, folks, listen carefully. This is a, this is a very, very important message today. Because you know as well as I do, that we can get repetitious, we can get complacent even in our own prayers toward God, to God. We are creatures of habit, are we not? We do. Did you know when a man 
shaves. Or ladies, too. Shave your legs, whatever it is that you do. You always start at the same place. You always start at the same place. People that put their pants on, or the men that put their pants on, they start with the same leg every time. When you put your socks on, you start with the same foot every time. When you put your shoes on, you start with the same foot every time. Unless there's some reason for one way or another that you don't. Why? Because we're creatures of habit. If you want to know how creature of habit you are, look where you're sitting. I can tell you it's the same place you sat the last time you were in the building. Every now and then you throw a kink in things, and even you yourselves have to admit you don't feel comfortable in some other seat. You know it. You know it. You try to force the issue, you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to change things up. And then two or three days later, as you sit back there and your feet are going like this, and you're really inside, you're going, oh, I can't stand it. Help me, God. I can't stand it. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, help me, Jesus. I don't like it back here. you got to get back to your comfort zone. Sometimes that's how we are when we pray. You know you pray the same thing every time. You may add some or take some away or whatever, but you pray the same way every time. And a lot of times you say the same words every time because you have a list you go down through in your mind, the people that you're going to pray for. You may add a little here a little and take away a little, but you have a formula. You have a pattern. There's a template that we use. And we have to be careful because sometimes... Going through the formalities that we go through, we can lose the sensitivity. Going through the formalities, we can lose the sincerity with which we need to be talking to our king. And we just pray. How many times have you driven home and not even been paying attention. And the next thing you know, you're pulling in your driveway and you're wondering, Wow, did you see that back over there, man? Did you pack? No, I didn't. You don't even realize it, man. I just drove all the way to Tomball. And I don't even remember the drive. That's how programmed we are. We really can be programmed. Doesn't just have to be drunkenness. It can just be plain old complacency. We get in a routine. And God wants us to be careful not to become routine with Him. Because He needs to be reverenced. Absolutely reverenced. And we need to really take a close look each time we approach Him. We need to approach Him with sincerity. And sometimes, sometimes we approach Him with so much indifference with our supplications that when it is basically an exercise and when that exercise is over, we can't even honestly declare that we meant what we just said. How many times, and and maybe I'm the only one, and I hope I am, But how many times have you prayed to God and had to stop and back up and say, wait a minute, hold a wagon. No, no, no. I didn't even no more think about what I just said. Though it was what you you meant to say, you just realized that you were blowing through this prayer. There was no sincerity in it whatsoever. It was just going through the motions. 
there's been times where I prayed and get ready to get ready to walk away from from prayer and God say, "What the heck was that?" Were you talking to me? Because <laughs> I didn't get a word of that. What, what, were you talking to me? I mean, go have a good day. What did you say? Were, were you meant to be talking to me? Because I thought you was on the phone. Because <laughs> uh, surely you wasn't talking to me. <laughs> See you. What the heck was that? That's all the time I get today. No, it's not good. And that's how that's how we can be sometimes. And you know what? God sees that very differently than we do. And there's sometimes I've just had to stop and back up and say, wait a minute, hold on, <laughs> hold on. No, 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 God. I, forgive me for that. Let's start this over. Lord, I'm sorry that I did not take this more serious than that. You're God. And you deserve my absolute undivided attention. Lord, let me start this over. God's trying to get closer to us, church. And these are how these are some of the things that, that help us to get closer to Him. Amen. So a Christian that is a true Christian cannot be contented to remain in a state like that. And when we are awakened from that state where they have regarded iniquity in their heart, as we will be sooner or later, we could not fail to look back on that with humiliation and with shame. How many times have you ever looked back at something you did or said and been humiliated by it. And shameful. Amen. <clears throat> if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. They regard iniquity in their heart who practice it secretly. Who are under restraint from the world. But are not possessed of a strong, habitual fear of the Almighty God. In other words, that's the people that are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian to the world. Man, that's a Christian person right there. But really, they don't have that, that fear, that healthy fear that they need to have of God from the searcher of all hearts and from whose eyes there is no covering of darkness where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. Let's take a look at that. Brother Edward, Jeremiah 23, 24, quickly please. Jeremiah 23, 24. Also, Sister Quick, give me Hebrews 4, 13. Hebrews 4, 13. Go ahead, brother. Can any hide in a secret place? Is there any way you can hide your thoughts from God? I've said this many times, 
And I want you to understand, people, people never consider this. But the Lord showed it to me one time. He shows me a lot of stuff like this, and boy, you really kind of feel stupid when He does, you know. And, and He just kind of put it to me like this. You know, when you pray to me, and you don't open your mouth, do you think I hear you? So let me ask you a question, Sister Maribel. Have you ever prayed to God with your mouth shut and you never said a word? You ever prayed to Him like that? How'd you pray to Him? Mm-hmm. You ever done that, brother? Do you think He saw it? Do you think He heard it? You think He heard you? You think He heard you? Huh? Sister, you ever done that? Prayed with you, just never opened your mouth, but just prayed to the Lord? You don't pray to Him in your mind sometimes? You ever pray to Him in your mind? Do you think He heard you? Heard you. Did you hear that? Heard you. Wow. Was that, was that, uh, was that New York accent? <laughs> heard you. I don't think they talk like it. <laughs> That's not even in their dictionary, is it? Well, let me ask you a question. You know, he showed me. He said, yeah. He said, you think I heard you? I said, well, yeah, God. Of course you heard me. He said, what about that other garbage keeps flying through your mind? Do you think I see that? What about all them other words that fly through your mind? What about all them other thoughts that come through your mind? You think I don't see those? You think, I'm just a, you think you're just selecting what I see comes through there? He said, you're naked and open unto me. I see everything. I see every thought you have. Before you think it, I know it's coming. Because before you see something, I've already seen it coming down the pike. So before that thought ever enters your mind, I see it. So maybe you ought to think about that next time before you let them thoughts just kind of take up shop there. And we do that sometimes. See, as I've said before, you can't stop a bird flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. You can't stop some of them thoughts from flying through your mind, but you can stop them thoughts from taking up residency there. And, you know, that's where you nip it in the bud right there because remember the four stages of sin. Brother Yunt, what are those four stages of sin? Nope, lust. See, there's the four stages of sin: lust, conception, sin, and death. So, if you stop it in the, if you stop it as soon as it comes into mind, this is where that scripture that says, "Casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ." So that's where that's where you cast down those imaginations. And maybe maybe you haven't done it, but I can promise you there's a lot of times in my life that I have and still do. So, oh, no, you ain't. No, you ain't, devil. Get away from me in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You are not fixing to set up shop in my mind. You're not fixing to set that wicked nonsense up in my mind. I'm not. I refuse. I'm not going to go down that road with you. And I just have to rebuke him because the devil will, he desires and he will do everything he can to set up shop. In your mind. And so that in itself is harboring iniquity in your heart. Amen. Come on, sis. What do you got?
Oh, did you hear that? There's no creature that's not manifest, which means revealed in His sight. There's nothing you do, nothing you say, nothing that you think. There's not any part about you that is not completely open unto God. He created us. Remember that? He created us that way. The one that creates a computer program or computers will always have a back door in. They will always have access to areas you and I will never know are even there. They can set up all kinds of things in there, counters and all kinds of things. They can set relays in there, man, to contact them if you do this or that. They can send things in there to cause everything you do on that computer to be a copy of it to be sent to them. Happens every day. So there's nothing that God does not see. We're not hiding from God. We're not hiding anything from God. Even the hidden man of the heart. This is what God's talking about, and it's what David talked about. Know my heart, Lord. The hidden man of the heart. Know my mind, God. Know the wickedness of my mind. I pray that a lot. Because I live in this world we live in here. Man, this is a wicked world. And there's wickedness in this mind because of the wickedness I'm around all the time. And I don't want that in me. I don't want wickedness in me. I don't want the wickedness of this world to corrupt me in my mind and my way of thinking. I don't want that mess in me. Amen. And so... I want God to know my heart, and I want Him to cleanse me from and help me cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh. Amen. Go ahead, sis. Start over right there. All things are naked and open unto Him, unto the eyes of Him to whom we have to do. Could it be any clearer than that? How clearly He sees our thoughts, our intentions. He knows us. He wants a pure walk with us. He wants a close walk with us. He wants us to do everything that He requires we do so that we can be closer to Him than we've ever been before. They regard iniquity. Did you? Did you? You already gave me that. Twenty. They regard. You already gave me yours, right, right brother Edward? Yes. Okay. They regard iniquity in their heart. Who entertain? and indulge the desire of sin, even though in the course of providence they may be restrained from the actual commission or doing of it, the instances are not rare of men feeding upon sinful desires, even when through the want of opportunity, through the fear of man, or through some partial restraint of conscience, they do not dare carry them to execution. Do you understand what I mean? These are those who think about the sin. They really would like to be involved in this sin, but because they're scared of legal consequences or because they're scared of what some man may think or because they have some kind of a little bit of conscience that says, no, you can't do that, even though they really want to do it, they don't do it 
they don't bring it to, to execution. But the motive is strictly because it's illegal or because, because you have some little resistance of conscience against it. That's also harboring iniquity. You understand? There's a lot of people today, even in churches today, would be involved in, act, in activities today if they weren't against the law or if they weren't, uh, if they weren't uh, such a hint of, of, uh, of guilt about doing them because really deep down inside they really want to do them. That's harboring iniquity in their heart as well. Number three, they regard iniquity in their heart. Now, this one right here, listen very carefully to me. Listen very, very carefully to me, everybody in this building, because this is dangerous stuff right here. You better hear me clear today. They regard iniquity in their heart who reflect on past sins with delight or without sincere humiliation of mind. Maybe our real disposition both towards sin and duty may be as discovered by the state of our minds after as in the time of action, the strength and suddenness of temptation may betray even a good man into the commission of sin. Every real Christian remembers past sins with absolutely unfeigned contrition of spirit. That means, unfeigned means real. Feigning something means to fake it. Real contrition, contrition of our contrite of spirit. And a deep sense of unworthiness before God. And discharge of his duty. However difficult it may have been at the time, affords him the utmost pleasure on reflection. Church, let me tell you, sometimes, even after you ask God to forgive you of your sins, and as God has forgiven you of those sins, you got to be very careful. We know the pleasures of sin. We know that sin's pleasurable. Even the Bible itself says sin is pleasurable. And there's a lot of things in your past that might have been very pleasurable to the flesh. And when you start thinking back on those things and remembering that pleasure, and sometimes those things can just bring some excitement up in you, and you have to be careful with that. I've seen people talk about the things of their past. And sometimes you can just almost see delight in their eyes when they're talking about it. That's not contrition, folks. Truly, when we're talking about the sins of our past, there ought to be some tears rolling down our cheeks. We're talking about the sins of our past that God has so eloquently forgiven us for. There ought to be some humility there. And you know what? Sometimes all of us may be a little guilty of this when we talk about the things of the past and we talk about them in...